Uh, we're going to be presenting new members to the church. And so if you are not a member and would like to talk to me and Brandon about membership so we can present your names to the board, uh, please, you can talk to us after church today or uh, sometime during the week. But uh, we're going to be presenting new members next week right after the service. So if, that, if you want to be part of that, please just let me know. All right, you can take your Bibles now and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. This morning we're focusing on Jesus Christ as king, specifically celebrating his entrance into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. They didn't know it was Palm Sunday, but it turned into Palm Sunday as the people welcomed him as the king and Messiah that they had hoped for. So we're going to read that account in Matthew 21. We read Mark's version of it in our responsive reading, and we're going to look at Matthew's version of it this morning. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to start right at the beginning, verse 1, and read down through verse 11. So if you'll follow along with me in your Bible. The Bible says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage unto Mount of Olives, Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray before we go into our message this morning. God, again, once we need your help, and we thank you that you are here to help us to understand your word. And so, Lord, As we look into your word, as we hear the things that you have to share with us today, Lord, open our understanding. Give us illumination through your spirit as he teaches us and guides us through this passage today. Father, I pray that you would teach us the things that are important that we need to hear so that we might live as your people and as you intend us to do. Lord, I pray that this time, as we look into your word, would be profitable for all of us. You've told us that your word, every part of it, is profitable. And so, Lord, may it be that way. We know that your word will not return void. And so let it, let it do its work in each one of us. Lord, just use me now. I pray that you would fill me with strength from on high. Fill me with your spirit so that what is said and what is spoken today is your word and your truth. Lord, we need to hear from you. We want to be taught by you. And so we just submit ourselves to, during this time to your authority. And we thank you for what you're going to do now. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. 
So again, as I mentioned, as this morning we're looking at Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday. It is Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, uh, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And understanding the background helps us to understand this account a little bit better. Okay, This is about a week before Jesus' resurrection, four or five days before he's crucified on the cross. That's what comes after this. What happened before this is a a bunch of different things that you may be familiar with, but maybe didn't know that all of them were packed into about a week before this. Um, There was Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man. If you went to Sunday school, you probably sang about the small little man who climbed up into the tree to, to see Jesus. He was saved or converted and met Christ a week before this happened or during that previous week, okay? Lazarus had just been raised from the dead about a week before this happened. He had healed two blind men who saw for the first time and their first sight was Jesus of Nazareth. So there was a lot that happened leading up to this event and that explains why we have this massive crowd that has gathered as Jesus rides between Jericho, actually, and and, uh, Jerusalem, the capital city, and where the temple was. Now, we are right before Passover here. Christ was crucified on Passover, so this is the week of the Passover that this all happens. But there's this massive crowd that has come into Jerusalem, not just to see Jesus, This is more than normally would be in the city at this time. Um, Some scholars estimate that probably as many as 2 million or more people were in the city at this point. This was not a city that was made to handle that many people. It wasn't that big at the time of Jesus Christ. But there are probably close to 2 million or more people in the city, specifically so that they can celebrate the Passover at the temple. And they are gathered in Jerusalem for this purpose. Now, many of these people had either seen or heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, the miracles that he has performed, and now just recently raising a man who has been dead for four days out of the grave. Lazarus was not a nobody. Lazarus was actually well-known in the area. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. But it was only two miles from there to Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem many times, and Lazarus was a well-known person in Jerusalem as well. And so when people heard that he died, they were very sorrowful. But when they heard that he was raised from the dead, that put a whole new level of excitement into this crowd. And so there's this massive crowd at Jerusalem. As Jesus is riding from Jericho, he left that morning to ride to Jericho, On the donkey. He sends his disciples to get the donkey, and that was unusual because Jesus usually didn't ride a donkey. Everywhere he went, he walked. And so, for some reason, the disciples were wondering, Jesus wants a donkey this time. And there was a reason for that, and we'll see that in a minute. But Jesus sends them to get this donkey in a nearby village. It wasn't in Jericho or Bethany, it was in a little village called Bethphage. And that's where he sent the disciples to get this donkey. And they bring him back, and Jesus gets up on the donkey after his disciples put their coats on the donkey to kind of act as a saddle or a pad for him to ride on. And as he begins this ride from Jericho to Jerusalem, 
people recognize who he is. Now, you have to remember, most of these people are Jews. The majority of these people are Jews. And they know the scriptures. They know the prophecy about the coming Messiah. And they know the prophecy from Zechariah about the Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a colt. Here's a man that has healed the sick. He's made the blind to see. He's healed lepers. And he's raised the dead. Somebody with that kind of power now riding into Jerusalem at Passover was someone to behold, was someone to pay attention to. Now, Passover, remember, was the celebration of when God led Israel out of Egypt. It was their deliverance from bondage. It was their Independence Day. Okay, that's how they celebrated Passover, God's deliverance from bondage for them. And here, just before Passover, we have this man who has supernatural powers that many call the Messiah, riding on a colt, fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament, and these people all of a sudden recognize this could be it. This is it. This is the time that all the prophets prophesied about when the Messiah is come, when he rides into Jerusalem, the capital city, on a colt as the king to set up his government, to overthrow all the enemies of God, and to restore Israel to their land, to their independence, and to their prosperity that had been lacking for several thousand years. And that's what these people were looking at when they saw Jesus. And so a crowd started to gather as he rides literally up from, Jeru- from Jericho to Jerusalem. People say that probably as many as a quarter of a million people were following Christ, were, were praising him, were crying Hosanna. When the Bible says a multitude, it doesn't mean a few people. It means there was a large number of people. And scholars say it could have been as many as a quarter million people. Now, if we saw this event, we would kind of try to liken it to something that we're familiar with. We probably have seen some large political rallies where there's hundreds of thousands of people gathered or tens of thousands of people. I don't think I personally have ever seen a crowd this big in person. Okay, but this is a major crowd. From the Roman perspective, this is what they would probably consider to be a riot because now you have all of these Jews praising and honoring and calling king this man riding into the capital city of Jerusalem who has just performed miracles, who has caused trouble to be stirred up not just within the Jewish uh, circles of religion and politics, but also in Rome. And Rome probably looks at this as not a great event. This is something that needs to be paid attention to. Because these people are calling Jesus the king. And so this is not something small. This is a major event. But I want you to look at this from Jesus' perspective. Because it's understanding Jesus' perspective that really makes this significant and helps us to understand why this happened as it should. This was not the first time that people had tried to establish Jesus or recommend him or acknowledge him as the Messiah, as the king. 
Several people, after, who, after they were healed, said, oh, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. They recognized that. And up to this point, when that happened, Jesus basically said, no, stop. Don't talk about it. Go your way. Just believe. But don't talk about it. And always in my mind, I wondered, why did Jesus tell these people, don't tell people who I am? Don't make a big deal about this. And the answer actually is, because it wasn't Jesus' time. God had a plan for Jesus to be in Jerusalem on this day, the Palm Sunday, at this moment, in this way, to fulfill prophecy and to fulfill his purpose. And every other event that happened before that, no matter how big it was or how small it was, when people wanted to uh, uplift Jesus and exalt him as the Messiah, it wasn't time yet. And so Jesus said, no, not yet. The time is coming. So just keep it under your hat. Believe, but don't talk about it. Now, unfortunately, some of these people, I won't say unfortunately, but fortunately, some of these people talked about it. And so more and more people found out about Jesus, this Christ, this uh, person, the prophet from Nazareth. And now, as he comes into Jerusalem fulfilling this prophecy, all these people who are wondering, all these people who have heard but never met him, now's the opportunity. And that's why we have such a huge crowd here. Because now... From Jesus' perspective, it is his time. It's his time to be recognized as the Messiah. This is the first time in his entire ministry that Jesus lets himself be recognized and proclaimed as the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one of God. Never before has he let that publicly be announced like this. And so this is the purpose for which he came. He was to be recognized as Israel's king. Here's the moment that it happens. But he's not just here to be recognized as Israel's king. From Jesus' perspective, this is the beginning of what, from human terms, we would call the end. But it's the beginning of the beginning. This is the beginning of the major event, the one event that all of history turns upon. And that was his death. Jesus rode into Jerusalem here as a king, but he wasn't coming to deliver people from earthly bondage. He wasn't coming to fulfill the expectations of these people who had gathered around him. He was coming to fulfill the purpose that God had planned for him to die on the cross. And in four days from this event, that's exactly what happened. But, the G- but people recognized him as the king. Unfortunately, it was the wrong expectation that they had. They recognized him as the earthly king. They were looking for him as the deliverer from earthly bondage. But if you look at the references in this passage that we read this morning, you can see that people did recognize him as the king. The disciples, immediately, when, God, when Christ gave them the command to go and find the cult, they didn't question that. I mean, like I said, they probably wondered. He's never ridden a colt before. I don't understand what's going on. When they got there, maybe in their minds it clicked. Oh, the prophecy, the colt, the Messiah, this is it. And that's why they put their coats onto the donkey for him to ride. It doesn't say, but it may be that the disciples at this point realized, hey, he's going to let us tell people who he is. 
And they started spreading the news, and that's why so many people started following him and honoring him as the king. But the disciples did exactly what they were asked. He told them, go get the colt. If somebody asks you why, just tell them the Lord hath need of him, and they'll let him go. And that's exactly what happened. And so they followed his orders to a T, not questioning anything, but honoring him in obedience. And so they recognized him as the king. But again, their perspective was, we're going to get an earthly Messiah. If you look at the mode of his transportation, it also demonstrates his kingship here. When he commanded his disciples to bring him a donkey, this was a representation of his kingship, of his messiahship as he rode in to Jerusalem. And the reason he did that, or one big reason for that, was to signify himself as the king of Israel, according to the prophet Zechariah. And I referenced it, but let me read that prophecy to you in Zechariah 9.9. This was written hundreds of years before Christ ever came on the scene in person, And that prophecy says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, talking to Jews. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. This was predicted hundreds of years before Christ actually fulfilled it. Now, the people recognized the colt. The, the one-year-old donkey that he rode on. That was the prophecy. What they missed in that prophecy is that he was coming with salvation, spiritual salvation, not physical deliverance. He wasn't coming as a conquering king. The prophecy says he comes lowly or humbly. Now, usually in history, when a king or a conquering king would come riding either into battle or home from battle, he didn't ride a donkey, okay? He rode a white stallion. That was the symbol of a conquering king. The fact that Jesus rode a donkey is significant. It wasn't for him to come as a conquering king. The only reference that we have that may directly relate to the fact that he chose a donkey is back in the Old Testament The sons of the judges, when they came into a city, rode on donkeys. They were there to proclaim, thus saith the Lord, and to tell people about the coming judgment of God. Now, if you look at Jesus' message all through his ministry, his message was focused on the coming judgment of God. And he continually gave that message to the Jews, his own people, because he wanted them to realize what needed to change in their minds and in their lives before the kingdom could be established. And so here he rides in on a donkey. But he's demonstrating to the Jews who he really is by fulfilling this prophecy. The prophecy says, here's your king. He's going to ride on a donkey. He's going to come in lowly, and he's going to bring salvation. And they recognized it. They forgot or didn't recognize what kind of king he was going to be, but they recognized him as the king. Because Jesus riding into the donkey wasn't a sign that he was coming to conquer. It was a sign he was coming in peace. He was bringing peace. Now remember, when Jesus was born, what was the message the angels proclaimed to the shepherds? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Right? 
Jesus is the peacemaker. He is the one who reconciles man to God. That was the message of his ministry. That was his message as he rode in as the king of Israel. I am here to bring peace, not between you and the Romans, not between you and the world, but between you and God. And they missed that. But he was still king. Now, the people also waved palm branches. We read that in Mark 11. We see that here in Matthew chapter 21. They cut down palm branches. Palm branches were actually a symbol of authority, kingly authority. They represented the scepter of authority that the king would hold as he sat on his throne. And so as a king would ride into the city, the people would take palm branches and as a symbol of his authority, lay down these palm branches before him. And that's exactly what these people did to him. So this reception that Jesus was getting here was not unique to him. Okay, this was the first time it's ever happened to him. This was the first time he's ever let himself be recognized in this way. But this is not a unique situation. Um, 150 years roughly before this, a man named Judas Maccabeus actually was hailed in exactly the same way as he rode his white stallion into Jerusalem after conquering the Greeks who held the citadel in Jerusalem and finally liberated Jerusalem from Greek strongholds. The same thing happened to Judas Maccabeus. The people welcomed him the same way. The people said the same thing. And this Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, comes from Psalm 118 in reference to the delivering king that God would send. They thought it was Judas Maccabeus at that time. That didn't last long. Jesus here, they think, maybe this is it. And so they recognize him as the earthly king. They want the earthly kingdom set up right now. But instead, he wasn't coming to conquer the earth. He was coming to conquer sin, to give them spiritual deliverance. And they weren't interested in that. They didn't want the spiritual deliverance. Now, there's nothing wrong with how the people reacted to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. He deserved it. Jesus was the king. They recognized him as the king. The problem was their expectation. They wanted what they wanted. They didn't want what God wanted. And that's why, four days later, some of the same people that welcomed him as king said, crucify him when he was presented either Barabbas, this major criminal, or Jesus, who do you want? And some of these people said, we want Barabbas crucify this so-called Messiah. He's not here to fulfill our expectations, so let's just get rid of him. So while they recognized him as the king, what they failed to recognize is that he was the lamb. We know from historical documents and from references in Scripture that this day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem was the tenth day of Nisan. It was the first day of the Jewish month, or first day of the Jewish calendar. And on the tenth day of Nisan, God had given a command in the law for the high priest to go and to pick a lamb that would represent all the nation of Israel. And that lamb was to be brought into the temple and held there for four days. And it was to be observed and taken care of very carefully, almost as a pet, so that they knew it was without flaw. It was a perfect lamb that could be sacrificed, and then that lamb on Passover or the eve of Passover would be sacrificed for the sin of Israel as a nation. 
And that tradition continued to hold true and continued to happen even up until Christ's day. As long as the temple existed, that tradition took place. The day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem was the day that this lamb was to be chosen by the high priest. That may be one reason why there were so many people at the eastern gate that Jesus rode through into Jerusalem, right by the temple. What would happen is the high priest on that day would go out of the eastern gate and would go toward Bethany and the Mount of Olives, and there he would choose the lamb that would represent the entire nation. And with a whole group of people following him, he would take that little lamb and march back through the gate and then secure that lamb in the temple. And for four days, they would watch it. It was exactly at the time when this Pascal lamb was being brought into Jerusalem through this gate that Jesus rode up on the donkey. And the people missed it. They were looking for the sacrificial lamb, and he was right there. But they missed it. Because they weren't looking just for someone to take care of their sin. They were looking for someone to take care of Rome. But they missed the lamb. There's great symbolism, and God doesn't give us things like this just because they don't matter. The way that, that the, the high priest would bring the lamb in, the exact time that, God, that the high priest would bring the lamb in, the, the purpose of the lamb, all of that led to this moment. And the people missed the picture. They missed the lesson. And so they missed the lamb as he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. They saw the king, but they missed the lamb. And so they missed the very substance, the very fulfillment of the thing for which they had gathered at that eastern gate. Because they had their own plans for their own lives. They had their own expectations for this king. They didn't want a lamb. They wanted someone to give them freedom, someone to give them prosperity, someone to return their land to their authority. They wanted to be exalted among the nations again as God's chosen people. That's what they saw in Christ, and they missed the very thing for which Christ had actually come. Now, we're very much the same way sometimes when it comes to us looking at Christ or looking at salvation that God has given us in him. Because we acknowledge him as king. And we say, yep, God's in control. God is the ruler of all. But then in our lives, we go to God and we say, God, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. And I know you're king, but because you're king, then I get to do everything that I really want to do. I get to enjoy my life. I get to have all the benefits of being a king's child. And we forget about the lamb. And his first purpose for us was not to make our lives better. He was to die for us because we're sinners. And we were studying, we're studying Romans in Sunday school, and we looked at Romans chapter 3 today. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is the statement of all of us, even Christians, being sinners. And the fact of that statement is that we do not glorify God in everything we do because our motivations and our expectations are different from what God has for us, even as believers. 
And so we continually sin on a regular basis. We don't go out seeking to find something to do that's wrong, but our motivations, because we're human, drive us to do things the way we think they should be done and for the reasons we think they should be done, and we fail to give God the glory in those things because our expectations are different than God's. We accept Jesus as our king as long as he makes our lives better or gives us success in our endeavors or gives us physical health or physical prosperity, but that's not why Jesus came. And that, my friends, is called the prosperity gospel. And if that's the reason you accepted Christ, then you didn't accept Christ as the lamb. You just want a king that's going to make your life better. God didn't save us to make our lives better. He saved us so that we could glorify him through our lives. And we don't get to make the decision about how he does that. He does. And if you don't want him for the purpose of God being glorified in your life, then there's no difference between you and this crowd that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem as king and then crucified him four days later. Because we can't accept him as king and lord and not accept him as the lamb. And if he is king and lord, then his will and his expectations and his purpose is all that matters. Now there's the big lesson that we can learn from this. But if you looked in the bulletin and saw the title of my message, you probably were wondering, what in the world... Okay, the title of my message is, What About the Donkey? If you look at Matthew chapter 21, and I want you to look at that again, I want you to look at how many times this donkey is referenced, this cult. Starting at verse 2, he says, this is Jesus, saying unto them, Go into the village against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. If any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet, saying, Tell ye, the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded him, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. Now, we read 11 verses. Six of those verses are focused on the donkey. How Christ told them to go get the donkey. Where they found the donkey. What happened when they got the donkey. How they brought the donkey to him. What they put on the donkey. And then Christ finally got on the donkey. So half of the narration that we read this morning focuses on the donkey. Because he was a primary part of this whole scenario. At least from that perspective. So you probably never thought about it, but this donkey is mentioned prominently in six verses, and then when you get to verse 8, you never hear of the donkey again. So what happened to the donkey? I'll tell you what happened to the donkey. Christ came into view. And when Christ comes into view, he becomes the center of attention. You don't see the donkey anymore. The people who put their clothes uh, down in the road, who waved the palm branches and put them down before the donkey, 
who proclaimed the king has come. They weren't talking about the donkey. Their attention was on the one on the donkey. The donkey was just the tool to bring Jesus into view of the people. And when people see Christ, the donkey doesn't matter anymore. Now, you can find a lot about the donkey here as you read these, this passage. And you read the other passages about this event. All four Gospels record it, and all four Gospels talk about this donkey. So where does he go? What happens to him? It doesn't matter. Because all that matters is that people see Christ. This story is not about the donkey. This story is about the king and the lamb. And so even though the donkey was part of it and played a big part in it, the donkey doesn't matter. We don't celebrate Donkey Day, okay? We don't read stories and we don't remember the donkey because the donkey was just a tool. Now, I gave you one lesson, and the lesson is we need to make sure that if we view Christ as king, that we have his perspective, his expectations, his goals in mind for our lives. But to get that perspective, let me give you the truth about our lives as Christians. We're nothing but the donkeys. Our only job is to carry Christ into view so other people can see him. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, that's our purpose as believers, to show God's glory. Not us, not how good of a Christian we are, not the good works that we can perform, not how many Sundays I watch or, or come to church, not how much of the Bible I've read or memorized. It has nothing to do with us. We're just the donkey. Christ is the one that people need to see, not us. We're not the center attraction here. Christ is. That's what Christianity is all about. That's why we're called little Christ Christians. Because it's all about him. And so if we understand that perspective and that purpose for us in God's plan, if we want to call Christ the king, then we're nothing but the donkey. And therefore, the attention should not be on us. We should not be seeking attention or gratification or even gratitude or recognition or thanksgiving from anybody. We don't need it because it's not about us. All of the great things that God accomplishes through us, it's not us. It's God. And so he gets the glory for it. So if you do something in obedience to Christ, in serving other people and loving people as you should, why is it that so many times we often get discouraged because nobody thanks us or nobody singles us out for praise because of these things that we're doing? Because we want to be more than the donkey. Jesus is the center of it all. We're just the donkey. And so rather than being like the people that rejected Jesus Christ because he did not make them rich or important or independent or appreciated, we should be like the donkey who served the king and brought him into view of other people and they just faded off into the background. 
because it's not about the donkey. No one glorifies the donkey in this story, and that's exactly the way it should be. And there's no reason for us to glorify the donkey in our life story. It's all about glorifying God. He's the king. That's where people should be looking. If they see us, that's a problem. If they see God, then we've fulfilled our purpose. Jesus is the only king in your life, and if people are looking at you rather than the king, then you have failed in your purpose as a Christian. Your, wor- your life is not worth anything more than how God can use you to bring Jesus into view of other people. That's it. It's not about how much you accomplish in your life. It's not about how many people know you. It's not about where you stand in society. It's not about wealth. It's not about health. It's not about anything other than bringing Christ into view of other people. That's our purpose. And so if you think it's your life that you get to make the decisions and make the priorities and you get to set the expectations about how it's going to play out and about the things that you want to accomplish and the things that you deserve to get from God because you're a good Christian, you have completely missed the whole point of Jesus as king. And you've missed the whole point of salvation. As we see in Scripture, not just in this passage, but the message of Scripture is this. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the lamb that came to die for us so that we could be made donkeys who will be useful to his purpose. Now, if you want more than that, then you don't understand biblical salvation. Because that's why God saved us. And so if we are to lift up Christ as king, it has nothing to do with what he does for us. It has everything to do with what we do for him. It has everything to do with us bringing the king into view of an unsaved world so they can see not only the king, but also the lamb. And as you celebrate Palm Sunday today, I hope that is the message that God gives you to celebrate. Because frankly, I would rather be a donkey in the service of the king than lift it up anywhere else in the world without him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our king. Lord, I pray that you would help us to treat you as such and how we live that you would help us to remember your authority in our lives, that you want to use us, that you want to fulfill your purpose through us. And so, Lord, help us to be donkeys, willing, lowly, humble servants of yours, giving you the glory and honor that you deserve, showing people the king and not our own goodness. Lord, in everything, may we glorify you as you deserve. May we glorify you for who you are and give you the praise and thanksgiving because of what you've done for us. Thank you again for your word. Help us to take this message, to remember it, to meditate on it.
I pray that it would change how we perceive our lives so that we become acceptable in our service to you. And we just praise you for what you're going to accomplish in and through us. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close this morning with hymn number 62, Crown Him with Many Crowns. It's a song about crowning Jesus as King. But I hope as we sing that you keep the message in mind. As you crown him king, I hope you let him be king as, as he deserves. Number 62, crown him with many crowns. Let's stand.